Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. Um, Tonight's a little different because when it's spring break, sometimes a lot of people are out of town. So I never know if we're going to have like a full youth group or if half the youth group is going to be in like Florida or like Lake Titicaca or, you know, somewhere else. Um, So I'm glad you're here tonight. We always try to make it like extra special when it's kind of a different kind of a night. Um, So as I am kind of opening up, we've got Hunter and Wyatt and Emily are handing something out to you. Um, so what we're doing tonight is we're going to be talking about praying, and when we're talking about praying, um, I'm, I, we have a handy-dandy prayer guide. How many of y'all are, you remember Blue's Clues? Remember Blue's Clues? Remember, what, what, did, he, what did he write the clues in? Our handy-dandy notebook. Okay, so this is your handy-dandy notebook. Um, it's just like a little piece of paper folded. But we're going to build it up here. So uh, you're going to be using that. If you have a pen, you may want to use it tonight. If not, that's okay. You don't need to mark in it if you don't want to. Um, But we're going to be talking about um, praying tonight. So when I say that, and tonight, here's here's the deal. Everybody look here real quick. Here's the deal. The lesson is going to be more interactive, meaning we're going to be able to, I'm going to ask you for ideas, you're going to share them with me, but here's the the deal with that. If we're going to do it this way, I need you to be willing to when I'm talking to listen. We good? We can do that? Okay. So uh, when when I say the word pray or prayer or praying, what comes to your mind? You can just shout it out. You don't have to raise your hand. This is not school. It's spring break. What do you think of when you think of praying? Silence. Talking to God, silence. The hands. the hands. Oh, yes, the praying hands. Your prayers are only heard if your hands are in this position, right? So, anybody else? When I, we talk about praying, what do you think about? The good, the bad, the ugly. Luke. Yeah, connecting and talking with God. It's interesting that like even in our culture, people who don't really believe in Jesus or at least are not living like they believe in Jesus, like celebrities, they talk a lot about praying. You can go to just about every guy who's like one of those acoustic guitar strumming pop singers and he's got a song in there about prayer. He's usually praying for a girl or praying to forget a girl. If you're a country music singer or a country music fan, where are my country music fans at? Be willing to admit it here in public, okay? You're, you're, well, you, 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 you like country music. There are a lot of songs about country music. There's one when I was growing up, a guy wrote a song that he was thankful for unanswered prayers. Um, yeah, a lot, some of the leaders are familiar with that song. Um, there's a song that came out about... Six years ago, a guy wrote, um, a, he, he wrote a song that was supposed to be addressed to his ex-girlfriend that he broke up with, and he kind of goes along the lines of, I've, I've, been, I've been really having a hard time, I'm upset with what you did to me, so I went to church and the pastor told me that I should pray for you. And then he, the chorus talks about all the things he's praying. He says, I pray your brakes go out, going down a hill that a flower pot falls from a windowsill and hits you in the head like I want to. I hope you're always at home and nobody calls you. And it goes into all these like terrible things that he's praying against his ex-girlfriend. So even though our culture gets prayer wrong, just about everybody realizes 
that it's important to talk to God. And we're not in a secular environment tonight. We're not like, yeah, hanging out with, you know, we're not hanging out with people who don't believe in Jesus. Here, we're here tonight with the people of God, right? So we know it's important to pray. How many of y'all think it's important to pray? That's the most ridiculous question to ask in a room full of Christians, right? Obviously. How many of y'all believe that God can do things better than you can? How many of y'all believe that God can make things longer lasting than you can? How many of y'all believe God can do things faster than you can? How many of y'all believe God can fix problems that you can't? So now I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. Since you believe all that, why don't you talk to him more instead of solving problems on your own? Why is it that we so rarely pray when we realize the greatest thing we really could do is pray? I think there are a few reasons. I think some, sometimes we're just so busy, you know? I woke up, you know, one of the first things I do is I, yeah, I get up and I read my Bible. I was a little late getting up this morning, but I made sure time to read my Bible. And then I just hightailed it to the gym, got my workout in, came home, you know, showered, got ready for work, you know, did stuff in the office, went home, got changed for refuel, and here I am. It's been a busy day. How many of y'all have had a busy day today? You have a busy day. Sometimes we're too busy. Sometimes we feel inadequate to pray. I remember when I was a teenager and I was called on by my youth pastor on a mission trip to lead the Spanish church in prayer. And I, I was like, I told my youth pastor, I can't do it. I don't know what to say. And he said, well, just make something up because the translator will, you will translate it into something good. And he was joking with me. But sometimes we feel like if, if I'm supposed to pray, I don't know what to say. Like, um, hi, God, it's, it, it's, it's me. You know? <laughs> like, like what, what do you say? What, do, do you have to put it into certain words? Are you supposed to begin with certain things and end with certain things? And sometimes we hear people pray prayers that are just very intimidating to us. Like, they're praying publicly in this, like, flowery Elizabethan English. Like, a long time ago in our church, we used to, deacons would lead in prayer. And what was kind of, I don't want to say it's funny. You shouldn't laugh at it. But, yeah, I was a teenager at the time, so we laughed at it. And a lot of them would have prayers written out. And they would read, and it's nothing wrong with reading a written out prayer. But it was, like, words they would never use in public. Like, oh God, our Father, thank that, thankest thou for being with us whithersoever we goest. And it was just this, this and, and it made me think I could never pray like that. But what's so incredible is that the Bible actually gives us words to use to pray. It gives us examples of people as they pray. The disciples who followed Jesus, they asked Jesus a question. They said, Lord, will you teach us to pray? And Jesus prayed right there in front of them. And then the rest of his time on earth, they watched him as he prayed. You know, praying isn't as complicated as we make it out to be. And tonight what I'm going to do is, you know, sometimes we, and we've done lessons on it. You can go on the app and look at them. We've done lessons on like, I guess you could say the theological reasons why we should pray. All of the things that go on, there's incredible things that happen when you pray. Do you realize that? All three persons of the Trinity are involved when we pray. Um, when we pray, we're, 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 we're going, in, going about in spiritual warfare. Yeah, it, Ephesians 6 talks about how when we pray, things happen that we don't even see. But we're not going to get into that tonight. I think a lot of us understand that praying is powerful. We just wish we could do it better. And one of the things, if you're a part of a team, you know, is you don't practice once at the beginning of the season. Go through the drills, learn the plays, and say, we got it. 
We'll just show up at the games. What do you do? You run the same stupid play again and again and again. And then you play a game and your coach is like, why didn't you run the play? Anybody ever do that? You, you practice play and then you never run it during the game. Your coach is like, why didn't you run the play? So what does the coach do? He has you practice it and practice it and practice it, right? We call that reps, right? You gotta get reps, whether you're working out in the gym, whether you're at practice, you gotta get reps. And what we're gonna do tonight is we're gonna get some reps. Um, we're gonna get some reps in God's gym, I guess you could say, by learning how to pray. And we're gonna put together a prayer based on this guy named David. David wrote most, most of the Psalms that are in our book of Psalms. He didn't write all of them, but he wrote a, a large number of the Psalms that we have um, in the book of Psalms. So if you have your Bible, turn to Psalms. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at four Psalms. We're gonna look at four Psalms that help us to learn how to pray to God. Does that make sense? We're gonna, tonight is a practice and we're gonna get in some reps. So if you have your Bible, turn to Psalms, and you can actually turn to Psalm 134 first. You can turn to Psalm 134 first, but as you're, uh, as you're turning there, I wanna show you, I got the, I got the little, the little um, the, the iPad again tonight, and I wanna show you a good way to put together, some of you are familiar with this, to put together a prayer, and it's by using the word acts. Look at the person next to you and say, can I ask you a question? It's not that kind of acts. Um, A-C-T-S, like think about the book of Acts, think about how they prayed a lot. We're going to use the word Acts as an acronym to learn how to pray. So if you go to your Bible, go to Psalm 134. I've never heard a sermon on Psalm 134 because it's only three verses and they're all really short. So I'm going to read them with you together. Here's the Psalm. It says, come bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. That's a short little psalm, isn't it? But you know that that psalm is a very important psalm in the Bible? Here's the reason why. The Hebrew people, the Jewish people, various times during the year would leave wherever they lived in Israel and they would make what was called a pilgrimage to Jerusalem because that was where the temple of God was. Jesus had not yet come, died on the cross and given us access into the presence of God wherever we are. So they would make different festivals. There'd be Passover, the Feast of Booths, Pentecost. There'd be these different festivals. They'd come to Jerusalem and this is one of several psalms that's called a psalm of ascents. It may even say it in your Bible there under Psalm 134. It may say a psalm of ascents. And when I'm talking about sense, I'm not talking about this kind of scent. You know, you get, you, get, you get 100 of us in a room and you get some of these kind of scents. But it's talking about ascending a hill. You know how you can descend a hill? You know how some of your grades right now are descending? You'd like to see them ascend, right? They go in an upward trajectory. The city of Jerusalem was, is, is on a mountain. So if you were in the northern part of Jerusalem and you were to go down, or the northern part of Israel and you were to go down south to Jerusalem, you'd be saying, I'm going up to Jerusalem because you're going up a hill. So no matter where people lived, if they were gonna go to Jerusalem, they would be saying, we're going up to Jerusalem because the city is on a mountain. So what would happen is people, as they would ascend the hill, they, the first place they would go when they got to Jerusalem would be the temple where the presence of God was. There were these Psalms that were written called Psalms of Ascents. And what they would do, there, there were, we learned there are two different ways that they would do this. Some would re 
repeat these psalms as they're walking up, they go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Then they go, then they they repeat the net, they repeat them again. Some turn them into songs, and they would sing them to God as they were walking up to Jerusalem. And the point was to prepare them to be in the presence of God, because they were getting ready to be in God's presence. So as they did this, Psalm one thirty four is the final one. It's the one that was meant to be sung when they got to the top of the hill and they entered Jerusalem and they were preparing to enter the presence of the Lord. So read it again, thinking about that. It says, come and bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. So see what the, the, the action is? It says, come into the presence of God. Come to the house of the Lord. Come bless the Lord. So I want you to look at that word, that word, bless the Lord, and it tells us the first motive that we have, the first thing when we pray. Usually we're like, hey, God, I got this list. If you give me good grades, if you give me a girlfriend, if you could get my parents off my back, that'd be great. Thank you. Amen. And oftentimes we bring our wants to God, we bring our list to God, but you know the first thing we should do, going back to our acts thing here, is that we should bring our adoration to God. We should adore him for who he is. You know, one day, if you haven't already, you're going to meet a guy, you're going to meet a girl, and you're going to get all googly-eyed for him, and you're going to send them these incredible text messages that just adore them for how beautiful their hair is, or how funny he is, or how sweet her personality is. And guys, you're going to say things you thought you'd never say. You're going to use ooey-gooey, mushy language you thought you'd never use, and you're going to use it because you adore that person. Well, you notice how in this in this set of verses here, there's adoration for God. Bless the Lord, worship him, adore him for who he is. Lift up your holy hands to, to the, your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. The first thing we do when we should pray, that we should be doing when we pray is blessing God. You know, there's a little exercise that I like to do. I've done it with a few of you before. Um, when we're thinking of how to bless the Lord, we don't have time to go through the whole alphabet but it's called blessing God from A to Z. How many have done this? We've got some of you that have done this with me. You've been to the labs, right? So what we do is we come up with an A word to describe God. A B word, a C word, a D word, an E word, F, G, H, I. You're gonna sing the alphabet song, right? J, K. Let's see if we can make it this far. And here's the interaction. Help me find an A word to describe God. Awesome. That's an easy one, isn't it? God is awesome. And he's not just, oh, awesome. He's awesome. He's awe-inspiring. What about a word that starts with B? Benevolent. Oh, I like benevolent. Cade, can you give us a definition of benevolent? Uh, uh, I shouldn't have done <laughs> That's kind of tricky, isn't it? It means he likes to give. He's willing to give. He's, he's gracious in giving. So I think that's right on, Kate. What about C? Wow. Creator. I, I heard creator. Very clear. He's our creator. Nothing exists that was not created by God. What about D? Deliverer. Yes. God is a deliverer. He delivers people out of impossible situations. What about E? Is that an E? That's an E. Excellence. I like that one. What about F? 
Forgiving, I like that one. God is forgiving, and he just keeps on forgiving, doesn't he? That's how awesome God is. All right, we've made it to G. I heard gracious. Somebody said gracious. Let's go with gracious. Where sin abounds, grace did more abound. Pastor Lemming preached on that last Sunday, right? What about H? Holy. I think I heard Lindsay say holy. God is holy. He's not just holy. He's holy, 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 right? He's on a whole other level. What about I? Infinite. He's infinite. Has no beginning. Has no end. What about J? He's just. In a world full of injustice, we look to God who's just. Finally, K. I heard kind, and I think that's one that we need to remember. God is kind. So think about all these, okay? Think about all these, and here's your assignment. We're going to do things a little different than I had planned tonight just to kind of keep with time. Tonight, what I want you to do is I want you to take your little hand at home, and from A to Z, I want you to make a list of how great God is. It's going to get tricky when you get to Q, when you get an X, you can cheat and do like exciting, excellent. You know, I, th- I think it's okay to cheat. Z might be difficult too. Go home. Think about this. You can go home and worship God by writing down all of his attributes A to Z. And you've just put together a pretty daggone good opener to your prayer. So we see that we, we adore God because we look at the way that the psalmist did in Psalm 134. He said, come bless the Lord. You're entering the presence of God. The first thing we should do is bless him. It's like Jesus said in the Lord's prayer, our father who's in heaven, holy is your name. Hallowed be thy name. So we're going to go to the next, uh, we're going to go to the next passage here and we're going to go to C. C is for confession. Psalm 51. David was a good guy, right? Right? Killed the giant, you know, good guy. Was he perfect? He was not. He failed in a very public, very big way. His failure cost the lives of two people. It destroyed a marriage. And it put him out of fellowship with God. So this Psalm 51 is a psalm that David writes of confession. Let's read this psalm together here. And I'm going to highlight some things that we can pray back to God after we adore him. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. He asked for forgiveness of sin. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He says, I know my transgressions. He's admitting he screwed up to God, right? I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you, I have sinned and you only. I've done evil in your sight. Behold, I was brought forth from iniquity. I was born a sinner. And sin sin did my mother conceive me. And you delight in truth. So I'm a sinner. And God, you are holy. So I ask you to purge me, meaning get the sin out of my life and I'll be clean. I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. Renew the right spirit within me. And here's the big daddy of them all. I feel like, I feel like in um, Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of my salvation. You, you show me a grumpy Christian, 
You show me a crotchety old Christian, I'll show you a Christian who has unconfessed sin in their life. I'll show you a Christian who is running away from God. But here's some good news. You may want to write this reference down next to Psalm 51. 1 John 1, it makes this promise. Look at the promise. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Why should we be cleansed? Why do we need to confess our sins to God? It's so that we can have fellowship with God. You can't sin your way out of your salvation, but you can sin your way out of a fellowship with God. If you do something really stupid that your parents told you not to do, would that make your parents not your parents? Would it make your parents and your relationship more difficult? Absolutely, right? Some of you like have been living that, right? When we sin, it doesn't change who God is to us. It doesn't stop him from being our heavenly father. But we need to confess our sin to have that fellowship brought back. The word for fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, which means sharing life together. When we confess our sins, it comes from the Greek word homologeo, This means same, this means speak. So it means that we say the same thing that God says about our sin. We don't try to rationalize it away. So tonight when you go home, don't write it down on your paper so everybody can see it right now, but what I want you to do under this little prompt here, name quietly one sin in your life that you need to turn over to God and that you need to confess your God and enjoy God restoring that fellowship, that koinonia. So C is for confession, confession of sin. Let's keep on going, we're gonna go to T. It's gonna get happy now. You've confessed your sin. By the way, the happiest you'll ever be is when you know that there's no sin separating you from fellowship with God. So now you're happy and you get to thank God for things. Psalm 34, a psalm of Thanksgiving. It's not just about Turkey. It's not just about Dallas Cowboys football. Right, Cody? Um, Not just about Dallas Cowboys football. Thanksgiving is about thanking God for what he's done. So when we turn to Psalm chapter 34, this is one of my favorites because it was one of my granddad's favorites. Psalm 34, listen to this. Some people say Christian music should should, should not mention us. It should only mention God. It should only be like yeah, adoring God for who he is, and that should be part of it. I actually even had one person say, well, I don't think you should sing that particular song in your youth group, some adult who had nothing to do with our youth group, because it focuses too much on what God did for you versus who God is. Well, you'd have a big problem with this guy named David who wrote this psalm that praised God for what he did personally in his life. Read just the first eight verses of Psalm 34. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Why? Why is he blessing the Lord at all times? Why is his soul making its boast in the Lord? Why does he want other people to praise him? Because I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. And because those who look to God are radiant. This is his testimony. This poor man cried 
And the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fears him and delivers him. And look, look at the, how verse, verse 8 reads, Oh, taste and see, experience that the Lord is good. There should be things that we can thank God for, even when our life is the hot mess express. How many of y'all live under a roof? Okay, how many of y'all, check it if you need to, how many of y'all have a pulse tonight? You're alive. It says that in God we live and move and have our being, we breathe. How many of y'all have a friend or somebody sitting next to you? How many of you are saved and you know it? It doesn't take that long to figure out that we have things to be thankful for. So here on your little handout, here's your next assignment when you go home. Write down some things that you're thankful for. I just want you to write five tonight. Five. And look, I've got you one, two, three, four. You just need to come up with number five. I think you can do it. And here's the final one. You ready? In your Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 143. Turn to chapter 143 while I pull it up here. We've made it to adoration. We adore God for who he is. Confession, we confess our sins to God. Thanksgiving, we thank God for what he's done personally in our lives. The S is for a word that you may or may not be very familiar with. Supplication. What in the world? Is that something I need to see a doctor about? I think I've come down with a medical condition known as supplication. No, it's a fancy word. That, look, this is an L here. See, it means that God supplies things for us. And it works with the X thing, right? What are some things that you desperately need to see God working in in your life? The psalmist in Psalm 143 had several. Why don't we read them? He said, hear my prayer. Give ears to my plea for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me. Please don't judge me. The enemy has pursued my soul, crushed my life. My spirit faints within me. My heart is appalled. I remember the days of old, back in the good old days, all that you've done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you. Answer me quickly, Lord. Don't hide your face from me. Be real to me in my life. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. For in you I trust. This is a big one. Some of you need to pray. Make me know the way that I should go. Give me direction in life, Lord, please. Deliver me from my enemies. How many of y'all have an enemy? You don't have to raise your hand. Deliver me from my enemies. I fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will. Help me to live a life that's pleasing to you, for you're my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of the trouble. In your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you'll destroy the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. You see how, how, how the psalmist is asking God to do things in his life? 
When's the last time you committed to asking God to doing things in your life? Luke chapter 18 says that Jesus told his disciples a series of parables so that they would always pray and they would never give up. It's one thing to ask God for something. It's another thing to commit to always praying and never giving up on what you're bringing to God. So the last thing I want you to do, the last prompt I want you to do is I want you to make a push list tonight. Push is just very simple. It stands for pray until something happens. You want to see something crazy happen in your life. You start praying until you see God answering those prayers. It may wreck some of your preconceived theology that isn't necessarily in the Bible, but you just got from somebody else. Because you're going to see God working in incredible, miraculous ways. So what I'm asking you to do is I want you to write down five areas of your life that you need God to work in. And I want you to write down the name of five, I'm terrible at spelling in front of people and writing in front of people, five people who you know either are unsaved or need God to work in their life. Commit to praying for those five things and for those five people until the school year is over and watch, prepare to be wild. So you know what you've done tonight and through the guy that you have? You've put together a really incredible prayer. You say you don't know what to say to God. Well, here we are. You can talk to God. Sometimes there's a time to learn about what prayer means, but sometimes there's a time to do like the disciples and just say, I want to learn how to pray. I want to do it. So I'm going to give you a moment to actually pray to God tonight. Um, we're actually going to get out on time the one time you're on spring break and you don't have to be home at a certain time. Um, but we're going to, we decided to end with the music tonight. So if you're, if you're helping us with music, if you want to go ahead and kind of, kind of get in your place here, watch the shaving cream, um, watch the, uh, the Fruit Loops. So you go ahead and get in, your, get in your places. If you can do it, I know it's difficult, but if you can do it as quietly as possible, because I'm gonna ask us right now, we've talked about all the different ways to pray, but maybe when I was talking about, go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes, get ready to talk to God. I was talking about an area of your life that you desperately need God to work in, and I asked you to list five, but there's probably one, as you are just have your eyes closed and are thinking about this, there's probably one of those areas that was, just seems so much more important than all the others. There's one thing that without God's help, you're lost. I want you to take that one thing and give it to God right now and ask God to help you. You don't have to have fancy words. You don't have to say it a certain way. You can do like David did and just cry out to God for help. No music, no guitar, just totally quiet. Just do it right now. I'm going to give you a minute to cry out to God for help. All right, once you're done praying, what I want to ask you to do, we're going to sing this song together, and then we're going to close in prayer. So if you'll join me, this isn't kind of a time to joke around, but will you come on up to the front? 
We're gonna cut, open your eyes when you're walking up, of course. Um, but we're gonna come on up to the front and kind of keep that prayerful attitude. Just walk up to the front here. We're gonna sing this song, Here's My Heart, Lord. We're giving our hearts to God, and then after we sing, I'm gonna close this out in prayer. So come on up to the front. Come on up to the front. Teens, leaders, everybody, come on up to the front. We're gonna pray to God tonight. Singing this song, Here's My Heart, Lord. So once everybody gets in place here, we're going to sing. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.